And that's why it's super important to surround yourself with people that are a few steps ahead of you because it'll reinforce that confidence and it'll be like, no, man, like this is a good deal. This is the right deal for you. Like move forward. What's up, everybody? My name is Mike Shogren here with my co-host, Emmanuel Pani. We're part of a group of specialized real estate investors you've probably never heard of. We didn't start with deep pockets or wealthy families, and we don't rely on 401ks, mutual funds, or traditional real estate investing. In fact, many of us don't even own the properties that fund our freedom. If you ask the money experts out there, they'd say what we do is impossible, yet it's happening every single day. It's happening through a new niche called short-term rentals. We are Short-Term Rental Nation, and these are our secrets. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at Vintory. Let's get real for a second about growing property inventory. It can be really challenging, complicated, and sometimes even expensive, right? Well, now we have a tool to help make this the least stressful and most profitable process possible. That's right. Growing your rental management company can be accomplished faster with the support of Vintory. We're talking a total property portfolio overhaul in just a matter of months. That's because Vintory is the first and only sales and marketing platform of its kind. Think about how you want your property portfolio to grow and what your main business goals are, and then experience for yourself how Vintory can help propel you there. Sign up now at Vintory.com slash STR and get a copy of Brooke's best-selling book from zero to 500 properties in five years absolutely free. Plus, you get a $50 Amazon gift card when you book a full demo today. Don't wait. Go to Vintory.com slash STR. Thanks for listening. And now it's time to get into the podcast. What's going on, STR Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Short-Term Rental Secrets Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Shogren, here with my main man and brother from another mother, Mr. Emmanuel Pani. What's up, B? My brother, so good to see you. So good to have you back running this shit because, again, I got super nervous last week. So good to see you and have you back. Man, life is good. How was your... I saw you guys. Nice. It was good, man. Like, I, I don't, I don't like, fully unplug that much, which sounds bad, but I just... I like doing what I do. So, yeah. like, I, like, consciously force myself to, like, completely unplug and do, like, nothing and be very intentional with the time that we had up there. Mm-hmm. And it was awesome, man. Like we, we had a really good time, did a few hikes, watched like some Halloween movies at night, got the fire going and just like chilled. Yeah. Nice. So it was good, man. It was, it was good to just kind of reset. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's hard to unplug completely. Also, cause like, again, like I don't, it's, it's like the saying goes, it's like, you know, when you do what you love, you don't need a vacation kind of thing. And again, like I do love vacationing thing, but I don't need an escape from my life. And again, like. I, I'm a big believer this is the one life we have, right? So if you need an escape from your life all the time, I would urge you to like kind of reconsider what what it is that you're doing. hundred percent, man. Like I always, we go to like the supermarket down there and they always have like the real estate listings, little books and all the things. And I'm always grabbing, I'm like, oh, we should go look at this place. We should go look at this place, right? Like I just, I just like it. Like I just like doing that stuff. So, you know, uh, but I did not look at any real estate while I was up there. I don't, (laughs) nope, I didn't, I did not. Okay. (laughs) So, but yeah, man, it, it was good. It was good. How about you? How was Mexico? Mexico was great. So one of the things that I was trying to get across in the podcast last week, and I don't know if I did because I kind of blacked out at the beginning that I was so nervous. I'm like, I had points written down. I don't know if I got to all of them. But one of the things that I love about Mexico and, and about the Yucatan especially is that there is so much pride and love in, in everything that they do throughout the team. And I think it's such an important thing for us to remember because as we grow our team, some people are going to get our, the only impression they get from us and our team, it's through somebody that works with us, right? And if you don't really manage to get the culture and the love that you have as a core team throughout all your kind of arms and tentacles, some people might get a shitty experience because the one person that actually talks to them or cuts them 
didn't embody your, your values. And in Mexico, like no matter the level of the person in the hotel, everybody does it with love. Like if it's the guy with the towels that brings the towels, if it's the guy that cleans the place, everybody's smiling and it's happy. And I don't know how to teach that really. I don't know if it's a teachable thing through and through. Like that's just a solid culture of like, we put our guests first. Yeah. We love what we do. You know, but I would love to like find, because I think it's like, yes, it's a cultural thing, but also like I find it funny that really good hotels manage to find a lot of those people. So it has to also be in their SOPs and their training because it's almost like, yes, you find the right person, but then they just hammer in a a level that is just like above and beyond, right? 100%. So it's so inspiring to me. It's also good hospitality to me is always very refreshing, right? Yeah. No, 100%. Well, that's awesome, dude. But we had to get a little time away. So I'm trying to think what else is going on. So we got... I mean, your thing. Yeah, I mean, that's been going good. We got officially get the PNS all finalized, get the appraisal next week for the hotel. Should close on that bad boy in December. So now we're just hitting the due diligence pretty heavy. So yeah, it's it's exciting, man. I'm looking forward to it. Kind of like the next the next big leap, right? We went from yeah. the single families to the 13 unit to the 21 unit to now uh, over 50 unit. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah man. and it's awesome to just see it along the way. You know what I mean? And like I don't feel you as hesitant as I did in the other ones because it's, there's just that confidence, right? And it's funny that it's just. It's like with anything, man. Like, yeah, exactly, the more you know. reps that you have with something, the more comfortable you get. And that's why I tell the the students, the mastermind members, I'm like, the first your first deal is always the hardest, man. Yeah. This goes for everybody, right? Because you're just like, I think this is going to work, but I don't know if it's going to work. And you start mm-hmm. to doubt yourself. And then like once you get a deal or two or three, it just starts to build your confidence and it just compounds yeah. over time. Yeah. Right. And that's why it's super important to surround yourself with people that are a few steps ahead of you because it'll reinforce that confidence and it'll be like, no, man, like this is a good deal. This is the right <laughs> deal for you. Like move forward. Right. Exactly. And kind of hold your feet to the fire. 100%. And I think that actually kind of leads us nicely to what we thought we should talk about today. Yeah. Because one of our friends, literally, I don't know, 20 minutes ago, one of our friends, I won't say his name just because I don't want to, he's been on the podcast. He's a good friend of ours. He got a killer deal last year. He bought a beautiful luxury property down on the uh, west coast of Florida, uh, mm-hmm. popular area. He got it for a million bucks. It was cash flowing really good. And then he just got an offer from somebody that was too good to refuse, sold it for one seven. And he was just hitting us up like, hey, you know, we just sold it. Real good exit. Made 70% appreciation on this thing in one year. But what do I do now? Do I 1031 this? and kick off the capital gains and put it into another luxury property? Or do I just eat the capital gains and hold my cash, right? Because there's a lot of um, a lot of talk in the news and everything else about like this huge recession and things are going to get really bad and really ugly. And like, what do I do, right? And mm-hmm. I know a lot of people are asking themselves that. And Ian and I have talked offline a lot about different deals we're looking at and different whatever. And so he was like, dude, we should just talk about this on the podcast today. So I was like, yep, yeah, let's roll. Uh, also, because there is so many. So as always, right? Like I, one of the things that I, that I really urge people to be against is the mass blanket kind of statement of it's not a great time to buy now, or it is a great time to buy because it's so individual to the person, in your particular situation, that person the capital gains on such a short, because he held it for so, so short that that holds a certain amount of weight, right? But if you're in a different position and you held the place for a couple of years, 
you're already out of that capital gains kind of like conversation, maybe, possibly, right? It'll be significantly less. Let's put it that way. Right. So there is so many different things that you could play in, right? Or in my particular case, maybe you can find a deal that is somewhat already up and running, wasn't done well, that you can just put a little love and magic into it, leverage all the fear there is in the marketplace. So get yourself a great deal and be up and running before season starts, get all the money from season, and then you're still, you're still castling. Maybe you're not castling as much, yeah. but you're still castling, right? Let me- let, let's uh let's break it down into different steps, right? Because you touched yeah. on the first thing that I want to hit on is like, it really does depend on your specific situation, honestly, right? And so I just had uh, Kenny Bedwell from STR Insights come and talk to the mastermind group this week is like a little market update and all this stuff. And he did a great presentation. He's been on the show before. You can check it out. We'll put the link down below, but he knows his data, right? He's a data guy. And um, he talked about like, for example, if you are a doctor or a lawyer and you are looking to maximize the tax benefits and offset your active income through short-term rentals, that's a different bucket than if you're somebody that's just trying to maximize cash flow, right? So mm-hmm. one of the things he brought up, which I thought was brilliant, was if you're going to go buy a property in, say, Destin, Florida on the beach for a million dollars or buy a property in the Smokies for a million dollars, the cost of the land in Destin is much higher on the beach than it would be in the Smokies. So you cannot depreciate land. So your tax benefit would actually be better in the Smokies, mm-hmm. right? So it, it's, and I don't want to get too deep in depreciation, everything else. That's not the point of this. But what I'm trying to say is that it really depends on your personal situation. So if you're someone like our friend and you're going to be looking at a, a multi six figure tax bill, okay, what is my strategy? Am I looking for a property for the next 12 to 36 months? Or am I looking for a property to hold for the next five to 10 years? Mm-hmm. Those are two very different situations. So you got to ask yourself, like, what is my goal right now? And do I want to hold this short term, medium, or for the long haul? Yeah. Right. Because over time, real estate has these ups and downs, but over time, you guys all know this, like it goes up over time. It just does. So you may have a dip or whatever, but if you hold it long enough, it's going to be worth more than what you bought it for now. Right. Like, especially once we push that like eight to 10 years, right? Like once you go into eight to 10 year cycles and you look at the U.S. real estate market historically, it doesn't go down over, over a 10 year window. It always goes up. Right. Obviously in the, in the short term, that's a whole different story. I also le- I also fall back into like one of the one of the quotes is like we don't wait to buy real estate we buy real estate and wait right so there is a truth to that component as well but again like Mike was saying it's just like what has the rest and this is why you need to start now really you should have started like maybe a month or two ago but like you have to start also talking to your CPA because it's like maybe you have a capital event on this sale but what is the rest of your business and the rest of your revenue look like, can you offset the capital gain somewhere else so that that payment is not too, too much? And then you keep the cash for something else. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so real quick, I just want to give you guys a resource for this because it's super important now more than ever that you really know your numbers, right? You need to know how to analyze the market and then you need to know how to run the numbers on the deal mm-hmm. because a lot of people, they'll DM me on Instagram. And they'll be like, hey, I bought this deal and it's not doing as well as I was hoping. And I'm like, okay, what did your projections look like when you bought it? And they're like, 
well, the seller told me that they did this. So, and I'm like, no, did you analyze the deal? Right. And they're like, well, no, like this is just what they told me that they've done. This is a numbers game. Okay. So you got to buy it, right? You make your money when you buy. So I want to give you guys like a free training on how I analyze markets and my deal analyzer that I use for free, because I see I'm getting more and more of these. And I just want to make sure that you guys are not putting yourself in a bad situation. So just go to strsecrets.com slash resources. And there's a few trainings, extra bonus stuff in there too, but there's one specifically on how to analyze markets and one on how to analyze deals. Because even if you're looking for the, just the tax advantages, I still do not want you to buy a deal if it doesn't cash flow every month. Because I've seen people do this in the past where they're like, yeah, it's going to appreciate over time. That's great. But if it's costing you money every month, that's not an asset. It's a liability. Mm-hmm. And so it's like gambling too, right? Like 100%. You, you know, it's not. And again, if you want financial freedom, you don't do financial freedom on, on Elmere. Like you can't just hope that it's going to appreciate. You can't just hope that it's going to keep cash flowing. You can't just hope the occupancy is going to stay the way it is, you know? And like, you, you just can't, you know? And like, in addition to knowing your numbers, I think this is where it's super important for you to have a board of directors around you that can help you shoot the holes into whatever deals you have, right? So I know how I am with my clients now. If people are looking to buy right now, it's obviously not the same market they was six or 12 months ago, right? And so one, you have to be able to find a realtor or a broker that is, is on your side that can one, help you negotiate well, two, that has the ability to not need the money. And I know this is like, a, a, it's a tricky question to ask somebody, right? But my fear right now is that people are going to get pushed into deals by agents that need the commission just because the agents need the commission. Yeah. And you need to know your numbers, one, because you need to know your numbers. And two, you need to know your advisors that actually have the best, best for you, like the, your best outcome in mind. And so it has to be a question that you can ask it however you want, you know, but it's like, would you want like an easy way to ask it? In my opinion is like, would you buy this deal? Yep. Right. Would you buy this deal and why? Right. And then if they give you the bullshit answer, like, because it's a great area and they always make money. And like, I mean, you come down to a spot and just be like, why aren't you buying it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like, you know what I'm saying? And then on top of that, I am only, like, I am only, I was going to say allowed, that sounds ugly because obviously my clients are free to do whatever they want, but I'm always only allowing them to buy one or three things, right? It's either heavy, heavy rehab properties where we can either add a bathroom or add a bedroom or both. Right. Because to me, again, when the marketplace gets oversaturated, the stuff that needs more work, it's going to be less uh, uh, desirable to the majority of people. And so we're going to go heavy rehab, modernize things, the ugly duckling on the street, really make it super functional or stuff that is already up and running as an Airbnb that we can negotiate aggressively on, get all the furniture if it's worth it. Right. And or just negotiate aggressively on because they didn't do their homework, right? And in Florida, if you're in Florida, September was a September from back in the day. And by, by that, I mean, it's a pre-2020 September, right? And the hurricane came, like a proper September that we haven't had in a long time, right? Now the time is now that you need the deals. The deals need you, like the sellers need you. So own that power that you have now because you haven't had, if you've been in this, in this space for the last two years, You've never experienced that. 
You never experienced your ability to negotiate on inspection. Never had the ability to negotiate on asking price. You never had that. You don't know what that feels like, you know? And that's how you protect yourself in a sense, right? It it just starts with knowing your numbers, right? So again, like my criteria, if I'm going to do a deal, it has to produce at least a 25% cash on cash return. So if I put $100,000 in, it has to pay me at least $25,000 in net profit every single year, right? Just for simple math. Like that's, that's like my hard and fast. If there's ways that I can go in and enforce that appreciation, awesome, mm-hmm. great. I am also a long-term buy and hold investor. So like my thing is not to get in and flip properties and do all this stuff. So if a deal comes up for me personally that I can generate at least 25%. And then I have some revenue numbers now for minimums. Like if it's a $50,000 house and I make 25%, great, but it's still not worth my time at this phase to do that, right? So like just thinking through what are your criteria based on where you're at and what your goals are, if the deal makes sense, great, but it all starts with the numbers. And like E said, there's gonna be more and more buying opportunities now because the market is shifting. And I think a lot of sellers are panicking a little bit of like, oh shit, am I too late to the, to the boat here? Mm-hmm. And so you can put in an offer under asking, which has been unheard of for the last 18 to 24 months. Yeah. And so, also you can find things that have been sitting. And also you can find things that have been sitting with unrealistic and incompetent agents. Because that's something that I posted the other day. Like if you, if you follow me on IG, I posted a house the other day that was listed for the past 60 days. Came on the market at 950, is now at 699, right? The market hasn't adjusted that much. That just means that somebody got greedy or hired an incompetent agent. And, and like, I, I'm going to be the first one to say, as a, as a broker and an agent, agents most of the times are part of the reason that we get real estate bubbles and recessions. Because they don't know what the fuck they're doing half of the time. And again, going back to like my question from earlier, it's human nature. If you need money for your survival, a lot of people are not going to care if they put you in a good or a bad deal. Because anyways, most agents are not long around long enough to have to sustain the repercussions of the fact that they were shitty agents. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like a low barrier to entry. Yeah. It's low, but it's, and it's a lot of money. Like people can make a lot of money. Like, you know, and, and, you know, people make a lot of money and then they just get on the bandwagons. It's like, yeah, this made this. So kind of getting back to what is, what is your specific situation? What is your specific goal? And the other thing is real estate is local. Okay. It's, it's hyper local. Mm-hmm. So when people talk about like the national real estate market, that's BS. Right. And I learned this from a mentor almost a decade ago who had thousands upon thousands of apartments who taught me about market cycles and how real estate is local. Cause when one market is booming, another one isn't and all these different things. So really, again, going back to understanding your market and where you want to be, it may be oversaturated or a hot market in Miami. I don't know, but it's not. And maybe it's a buyer's market in Kansas city, Missouri or something, yeah. right? I'm just throwing out random examples. Don't quote me on that. I'm just giving you context of like every market is going to be different. And historically, the coastal markets are the ones that swing the most up and down. And the middle of the country tends to kind of stay a little more stagnant with slow and steady growth. Yeah. Right. You don't get the huge appreciation swings. You don't really have the huge crashes. It's just kind of steady eddy. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, again, do not quote me on this because I am no economist and I don't have a crystal ball. But do I think that there's going to be like a major crash like 2008? I don't think so. I think there will be a correction, but there's none of this crazy lending that was going on back then of like people were getting these mortgages 
And then all of a sudden their payment went from $1,000 a month to $3,000 a month, like overnight. And then they couldn't afford it. And then everything just started to collapse. Yeah. Right. That, there's none of that, not so much of that going on. Right. Mm-hmm. So no, and there's there will be a correction. A lot more wealth also than there was back in 2008. Like there's a lot more, like more of the boomer wealth. It's, it's there. There's a lot more cash. And there's a lot less people that are over leveraged also in terms of like how many people bought houses in cash. Cause there's a fair, fair share of people, especially down here in South Florida, there's a fair share of people that bought their houses in cash. Yeah. You know? And like, again, talking about freeing up cash to do deals with interest rates where they are right now and with them likely continuing to climb for a bit, you know, we'll see how all that pans out. A lot of people have asked me, should I refinance my property now while the value is high before it corrects a little bit? I would say personally, no, but I would, what I would do is get a HELOC on that property so that you have access to that cash, but it doesn't change that awesome three or four, four and a half percent interest rate that you got a year or two years ago, but you have access to that capital if you want to do it for a deal and then you can just pay it off, but it doesn't affect the original mortgage. Yeah. Right. And that's the strategy that I would do. Yeah. And if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, well, I don't, like, I could do a HELOC on my primary, but I cannot do it. HELOC on an investment property, just do homework. Because I know there is lenders out there that will do it on a primary. And I love there are some lenders that do it on investment properties. Again, there is so many ways to skin the cat and you just got to be willing to do your homework. And unfortunately, we're not at a time anymore that you can just be wishful thinking, which is feeling my bad that's always taught me from a young age. Is this real or are you wishful thinking? And there is no, I, I don't want people to like become pessimists because that's also not a powerful way to live life. But also like, don't, don't make everything roses and don't make everything is going to be great. And don't make that everything, you're going to make money on every deal. Long story short, I feel very similar to Mike. I am still looking for deals because I think also in a time where there is a lot of fear in the marketplace. There is always good opportunities. And as long as you're religious with how you run your numbers and, and having a clear extra strategy and really making your mind from the beginning. So let's say even if you do think that the market's going to correct 20, 25%, just put that into your numbers, right? Yeah. And then maybe you can make an offer that you're like, even if the market dips, I'm going to still cash flow, maybe a little bit less. Maybe the market is going to go up too much at wise. I'm not going to be able to refinance for a couple of years, but I'll be good. And if I'm a long-term buy and hold investor, like me and Mike are eight to 10 years, you'll be good. And the big thing is that it's going to produce cash flow every month. It has to. It has to. Right. And so again, go grab that training because I'm going to show you, analyze it multiple ways, stress test the deal. Bill was talking about that in Miami. You want to run different scenarios to stress test the deal to see if it makes sense. All right. Does it make sense if I get hundred K in revenue, 120, 80? What if my expenses go up on, on this thing, this thing, and this thing? Right. And you stress test it to see, can I still maintain solid cash flow and certain percentage returns if this happens or if this happens or if this happens? Right. Again, it's not, it's not gambling. It's not throwing darts. It's knowing my numbers and stress testing those numbers for different scenarios. And it just gives you more confidence to go out and execute deals. And it's not complicated, guys. Again, go, it's free. I'm giving it to you for free. Go watch the trainings, download the deal analyzer and start running numbers on deals until you get comfortable. Like we've had Mike Riley on here. He's one of our coaches now. He's, he's legitimately run numbers on thousands of deals at this point, literally. And for a while, all he would do is just go on Zillow or different places and just analyze deals just to get comfortable analyzing numbers. 
And if you do that for enough properties in your market, you start to get a sense of like, what's a good deal and what's not a good deal, right? So even if you're not going to buy right now, go start running numbers on deals. So you get comfortable analyzing deals because when the right deal comes up, you're going to want to know. But if it's yeah. your first time analyzing the deal, you're like, I don't know, it looks good, but is it good? Yeah. Maybe, right? So and, and, and really knowing your market would help you see the deals. Right. Because for example, I know in my market, I'm like, okay, this is a two bedroom, but it's 1900 square feet. Why is there such a big two bedroom? Right. I'm like this area. I'm like, I know this area. I know how they build these houses. I know that there is space for this. There is space for this. So can I make this, this two bedroom that is now priced as a two bedroom? Can I easily turn it into a three bedroom or a four bedroom? Right. So like in understanding that and understanding the value add. And then the other thing that Gary V posted yesterday, I think it was a couple of days ago. It's about the patterns of spending. And I think that's another thing that I would love for you to start. And I'm saying this out loud because it's something that I need for me as well, is start being more cautious in the other areas of your life, where you're spending money and how you're spending money. Not to limit yourself, but to start understanding that like there is areas that I would rather you put more towards your investment bucket, even if you're not going to take a shot but start trimming down everywhere else where you can, where you've been maybe like overspending. And this shows that 76% of Americans are now waiting or delaying big purchases, right? So like cars and so on and so forth. So it's just like, be wary and have some savings, right? Because like, we don't want to go into a recession and then you become kind of desperate because then desperation leads to bad choices in terms of gas, in terms of reservation, in terms of properties, in terms of owners that you're going to onboard, in terms of deals that you're going to do, partners that you're going to choose. It's just not a pleasant space to be in. So if you're going to do a deal, okay, and you have a certain amount of money to work with, make sure after you close on it and you furnish it, you have three months of reserves for expenses for that property is a cushion, right? Just as a little extra cushion. The banks make us do this, like for some of the commercial stuff, like we get an escrow, I think six or nine months of like principal interest taxes insurance. Yeah. Right? Just because again, like it's just, it just adds a little extra comfort level to you. Mm-hmm. Right. And I see a lot of people, they'll buy the deal. And we did an episode on this, whatever it was a month ago about like, if I had a hundred grand, what would I do with it? You notice I didn't spend a hundred grand on the down payment or a hundred grand on the down payment and the furniture. It was like a hundred grand or 50 on the down. 30 to 35 on the furnishing. And then I had like 15K in reserves, right? Mm-hmm. Just there. So yeah. when you know how to chunk it down that way, it's just going to help you a lot. So like the big, to wrap this up, are E and I still buying deals? Yes. Like I'm under contract on the biggest deal I've ever done right now. And I'm very confident in that deal, mm-hmm. right? But I also stress tested the hell out of that deal through the deal analyzer and through other performers that I've done now. So like, know your numbers. You can continue to buy hundred percent as long as the deal makes sense. It's that simple. And I think the buying opportunities are going to continue to get better and better and better as all this fear is pumped into the market. And then less people are going to buy. So you have less competition. So you have more buying power when you're going to these sellers and you're like, yeah, I'll take that at like 30 K below asking. So just know your numbers, surround yourself with the right people. You're already consuming good information through this podcast and other resources. Continue to educate yourself, surround yourself with the right people, know your numbers, and then move forward and make a decision. Yep. And there is no, there is always ways out as long as you, like, you know what I mean? If you get yourself and you write the offer and you get an offer accepted, even if it makes sense on paper, and then you just don't feel good about it, just walk away. 
it's in your right to walk away. Right. And like, and there's, there's the right, again, the right team around you will help you get through your due diligence quickly and be able to put you in a spot that you're like, okay, we are, our best possible outlook is this. It's looking like this. Do we still want to move forward or not? And again, like my, I am more interested in the reps and the practice of it than the deals. Like if you don't feel comfortable closing a deal, that's fine. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't practice. Because then if you wait to practice when the time is perfect, then you're missing time. And the people that have been practicing their whole time, that maybe are the same level as you or slightly below you, they'll just be above you just because they kept practicing. Yeah. I'll just end with this, just to tie it in with that. That first mentor that I was talking about, he used to have us call brokers and analyze deals and markets that we didn't even want to operate in just to get our reps in. So if we sounded like an idiot or whatever, or we practice in a different market <laughs> that it didn't even matter, right? So you can just literally go on Zillow or realtor.com or Redfin or whatever and just start running numbers on deals and whatever yeah. market that you're interested in and just get comfortable analyzing deals. Yeah, so. Just don't eat the fear, man. Like, just don't, don't make it be from a place that you're empowered and educated and you're choosing not to pull the trigger because it's not the right thing for you. Don't buy the bullshit. Like, don't buy the fear. Because again, is there uncertainty? Absolutely. Is there still good deals? Absolutely. So like, it's just a matter of like doing the right thing. And like Bill said, right? Like if you do the right things, you can reduce your risk to low digits, like under five, under six, under 10%. If the market corrects, and you're like, well, adjusting the deal, you have that in there, you're fine. Just be empowered in your choices and don't follow the herd just because that's what the herd is doing. Just be you and educated and like empowered in why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. If you do what everybody else is doing, if you're doing what the average people are doing, you're going to get average results. Follow, follow like the wealthy people. <laughs> they're tend to, if the herd's going this way, they're tending to go this way, right? What's that quote from Buffett? Like, you buy, you buy when there's fear and you sell when there's greed. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Which is true. And look at that man. Like, the man doesn't, is like a fucking turtle. He just like, he's just on his fucking path and he just moves slowly and it's like, oh, there is fear. Here is money. Give me that. Oh, there's greed. Here is things. Give me money. And he just does this game. Yep. But then when you don't try to swing for, like, when you don't try to swing for home runs all the time, First base, bro. Just first base. And I know it's not sexy and I know it's not exciting. I know it's not financial freedom, but a loaded house or however the hell you guys call it, eventually you start getting points on the scoreboard. Is that a whole analogy about baseball? I have no idea, but you, you get it. Oh, well, you're talking yeah. about poker or something. I yeah, no I have idea. no idea, but a full whatever, just people will start coming eventually. And then you just need to keep putting people in first base because once everything is full, you'll just keep getting a little bit more and a little bit more. And a little bit more, and then you won't even need to swing for home runs. That's it. I think I brought it back together, <laughs> more or less. <laughs> there, you there you go. Base hits, baby. Base hits. Base hits. Cool. Yeah. So one more time, guys. Just go to strsecrets.com/resources if you want that free training and the the deal analyzer. Again, that's directly from my mastermind. So give that to you guys for free, just to make sure you don't get in some bad deals. But go check that out. Completely free. Uh, I want to give one last shout out to my man, Danny, my videographer, who's been crushing it on Instagram for me. Um, he's been pumping out content left and right. So big shout out to Danny. And thank you to you guys, by the way. If you guys listen and you follow me on Instagram, we're, we just crossed like 30,000 followers on Instagram or something, which is nuts. So that's that's pretty cool. Awesome. Yeah. So. Also, Danny's killing it in his own right, in his own business. So we're very proud of him. And he's, he's, uh, 
putting a lot of work into the gym as well. So it's just like, you know, but what's funny is like, that's why you need a good group of people around you. Because then you started realizing that like, they'll naturally, not even by making you, they'll just naturally encourage you to just level up all around. And that's who you need to be as a person. Like, I don't care what you care about. Just do your, do your best and have fun in everything that you do. You know? Yep. hundred percent. All right, guys. Well, hope you got some value out of this. Again, appreciate all of you for tuning into the show. Uh, go grab those resources. Have an amazing week and we'll talk to you guys soon. Hey, STR Nation, if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. And in the comments, let us know what topics you want us to cover on upcoming episodes, and we'll make sure to get that in the books for you. And if you really want to learn how to launch, automate, and scale your short-term rental business, if you want to go deeper, then check out our free masterclass at strsecrets.com.